0: Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg.
1: And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Let's do it. For some reason, I sounded kind of froggy when I said, hi. It was very good. Uh, I've only
1: really had coffee today. so it's, it's, kind of... uh, it's, it's a morning edition here at the Campfire Classics.
0: Kind of early in the day, a little earlier than usual. A little earlier than
1: usual. Early in the
0: day, early for artists. It's almost four in the afternoon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did get out of bed. Like, I woke up. At like 11 30 but i didn't get out of bed till about one yeah <laughs> i was just in my in my bed it was cozy and i was it's like just... i want to do some work on my phone in here it's quiet and dark and i like it
0: <laughs> i'm not used to working this early
1: yeah i just like having something to work on honestly because yeah here we are still in the pandemic and uh it's actually so we're actually recording this on labor day yeah. Yeah, so this is...
0: So by the time you hear this, we might not be in... No, I'm not even going to say oh, that. God.
1: But it's a day of action for Be An Arts Hero, which uh, I want to give a shout out to because they're doing some amazing work for artists. Um, hashtag Be An Arts Hero. Um, and they also have a website, BeAnArtsHero.com. Uh, I highly encourage you head over there, call your senators, and um, let people know how much the arts is affecting the economy because... There's all the stat, like the stats on this website, and it's. I don't think people realize, or it wouldn't, or we would have already like, like bailed out the arts because it's going to affect everywhere from New York City, which is like you know Broadway and LA, which is Hollywood, to towns that have a summer stock theater, the the restaurants and hotels and um, industry, their like their tourism for the the people that come to the theater are not coming and therefore uh, places are shutting down like small smaller places like Creed Colorado where I've worked and it's it's a one one street town but that theater's been there over 50 years and it is a huge part of their economy yeah there so. are
0: three 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 uh big theaters in Door County Wisconsin yeah. which are huge tourism poles and so all of a sudden this summer, they don't have those people coming out to see the shows. Yeah. They don't have the people coming out to hear the music that usually plays. They don't have the people coming out to do all of those those artistic things that make for... Uh, make for summer vacations, and so not only are the theaters and musicians and artists hurting, but also the hotels and the restaurants, and the ripple effect is huge.
1: It's insane. So I, I, um, I want to give a huge shout out to Carson Elrod, who's a, uh, who's, br- who is the brother to Bree, who we both know very well from our time in Kansas City, and he's doing amazing work, and everyone that's jumped on the um, be an arts hero bandwagon uh is doing amazing work so check them out i wanted to give them a huge shout out as it is labor day and we are both proud union members of uh the actors equity so um yeah check that out um give them some love because we're making our own art right now (laughs) because we're artists and we need to work and we love that you're listening and uh thank you for supporting this podcast because you are supporting two artists. so
0: One of the easiest ways you can support us is become a patron on Patreon. <laughs> hey, I got to do it this you time. You got
1: to do it. Look at Stevie's <laughs> He's <CDs> learning.
0: <laughs> uh, go to patreon.com slash 5050artsproduction And uh, go ahead and and sign up to make a monthly donation. Even as little as $2 a month helps us out a ton. Huge. Um, We'd really appreciate the assistance. Plus, when we make it to 1,000 patrons (laughs) on Patreon, I will be getting a tattoo that says, In Agatha We Trust, in honor of this podcast and its humble beginnings. As uh, essentially an Agatha Christie fan cast.
1: Yeah, which is how this all started. We should, you know what we should come up? We should come up with like mile markers for 20. Because 20, the for top, the first 20 are going to be our founding patrons. Right. So we're at, I think, seven patrons now. Seven, and these unless amazing, something unless has something happened, happened happen. in the last
0: 24 hours. Yeah,
1: but the our first seven patrons who we love and we're giving a shout out to. Hey guys. Um... Are amazing. And if we get to 20, you will be considered a founding member of this arts company. So, um, and we, it's under 5050, which is the uh, parent company, is the like umbrella company to this podcast. Um, And other art that we create, we do online cabarets in person, socially distanced cabarets, and all the other stuff. So go check us out. That's enough. That's enough about
0: business. So, um, (laughs) we talked a little bit earlier, and I actually want to play a quick little game. Oh, fun. This is um, because in, in the podcasting world, one of the easiest ways to get yourself a huge subscriber base is to just be a true crime podcast.
1: True crime um, or paranormal, which, which is my favorite. we are
0: <laughs> not, but uh, I thought it would be fun. But we, this do, a also, well, we do a lot of true
1: crime inspired stories. We do a, we lot do a of fake
0: crime. And I thought it would be fun to play Two Truths and a Lie True Crime Edition. Yay. So I'm going to read you the um, the the summary of three crimes. Okay. Two of them really happened. One of them is the plot to a mystery novel. Great. And you need to tell me which one is the plot to the mystery novel. Let me read all three. Okay. And then you're going to tell me which one you think is the lie. Okay. okay?
1: What are we going to call? We should call. It, what do we call this game? Um, true Crime Podcast. Not.
0: Like... True True Crimes and a Lie.
1: True crime, ooh, yes, true crimes and a lie, I love it.
0: So, I'm going to edit in a a quick little um, theme music right here.
1: Oh. This is all, I didn't know this was happening. Fun.
0: Welcome to our new recurring bit, True Crimes and a Lie. We'll see if it actually recurs. Yay! (laughs) Okay, so, crime number one. Okay. Back in the 60s, there was this British 11-year-old named Mary Bell who strangled two young boys over the course of two months. She's 11 years old. Uh, Now, Bell came from a broken home. She had a teenage sex worker for a mother and an active criminal for a father. When she was arrested by the police not long after the second murder, she apparently said, well, that's all right by me. During the trial, Mary was said to be defiant, showing zero remorse. The psychiatrists described her as intelligent, manipulative, and dangerous. She was found guilty of manslaughter, not murder, on the grounds of diminished responsibility. She served 12 years. Uh, During that time, she did actually escape from prison at one point. Oh my god! But then was returned to prison. Um... She, uh, When she was released, she was granted a new name and anonymity, uh, presumably because the crime was committed when she was a minor, um, and uh, has since given birth to a daughter and is reported to actually be a grandmother.
1: Oh, Lord. So that
0: is crime story number one. Okay. Crime story number two uh, revolves around two sisters, Constance and her sister Mary Catherine, known as Mary Cat, who live with their uncle- uh, who's kind of old and sickly and not doing very okay. well. Um, this is this is one of those uh, weird crimes where th- actually the bulk of the crime happened a long time ago.
1: Okay, like, like
0: before the real story gets interesting and kind of picks up, and it's still unsolved. Okay, so years ago, these two sisters, um, their uh, their whole family passed away because they were poisoned. Okay. Um, now immediately everyone accused, uh, the one sister Constance of doing the poisoning because what happened is, uh, arsenic was put into the food and she was the only one of the family who did not eat the food that was poisoned. Uh, the other sister, Mary Catherine, had been um, sent to bed as punishment without any supper, so she wasn't at dinner.
1: Okay. And
0: Constance survived by not eating the poisoned food. Actually, their uncle, who they now lived with, um, was poisoned, just not fatally.
1: So that's why he's sickly and kind of yeah. having a rough so time. So he
0: was. Um, so Constance, the sister, was accused, um, but basically they could find the courts could find no proof. And they could find no... um, True uh, motive. uh, No motive. So she was eventually acquitted, and no one was ever arrested. However, over the years, the the prevailing theory is that actually it was the other sister, Mary Cat... She was
1: pissed that she got sent to bed.
0: No, who poisoned the family. She poisoned the sugar that was going to go on the berries during dinner because she knew her sister Constance didn't like sugar... And she intentionally got in trouble and sent to bed before supper so she wouldn't have to eat any.
1: Oh, damn! Okay. So that's
0: that's the theory there. Okay. The third crime story revolves around a guy named Abraham Shakespeare. (laughs) Okay. Who bought a lottery ticket in Florida and won the jackpot. Okay. Uh, Now, early on, he was very generous with friends and family, but eventually he started feeling like he was getting used like, people were taking advantage of his generosity. So he meets this woman named Dee, Dee Moore, who uh, offered to help him out, okay. take care of his his money to manage his finances and keep from getting taken advantage of. But actually, she's just a con artist who ends up conning him into turning over control of all of his assets. Okay. Uh, so his family gets freaked out. Shakespeare's family gets freaked out. And they they try to check in on him um reach out, uh, and don't hear back, don't hear back. Um Moore, the woman who took advantage of him, ends up forging a letter and sending it to the family saying, No 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 no, Shakespeare's fine. Um Shakespeare's fine. <laughs> ironically, given his name, it turns out Shakespeare was illiterate.
1: Oh uh, no. So
0: he could not have written the letter. So the police were notified and they found Shakespeare's body in Moore's property.
1: Oh shit!
0: So, so those are the three stories. That is two true crimes and a lie. Uh, which one do you think is the lie?
1: Okay, so I love true crime podcasts. Like honestly, like I've mentioned this before, and I'm gonna give a shout out to them. Uh, but uh, I think M has covered, or M and Christine have covered one of these. Okay. So I think number two is a true crime.
0: You think number two is a true crime? Yeah. Okay. Which one do you think?
1: I think the first one is a lie.
0: You think the first one is because a lie?
1: Because it was too concise and the Shakespeare one just sounds too obvious because <laughs> they like the name Shakespeare, like, amazing. So I'm going to go with number one.
0: You think number one is, is the, the lie. lie? About the 11-year-old. Because I old.
1: think, yes. Because I don't, I like to think that mm. that 11-year-old did, well, I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> You know what? I don't know. I have no idea. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with three as the lie. Three is the lie because Shakespeare is a funny name.
0: Uh interestingly enough, two was the lie. Damn it! Number two is the synopsis of the story "We Have Always Lived in the Castle" by Shirley Jackson.
1: Oh shit! She lo oh, she loves her like kid things. Yeah, her de- demonic children. Yeah, so no, okay. the, the story of Abraham so, Shakespeare... sorry happened. to Em and Christine on that podcast. <laughs> uh, you covered something about demonic sisters at some point, you
0: know. <laughs> uh, Abraham Shakespeare uh, bought a lottery ticket in Florida in 2006. Yeah, I,
1: Shakespeare lottery Florida, I went, that's real. Yeah. Because it's Florida. Sorry, and but... this it is.
0: this girl, Mary Bell, uh, was oh. an 11-year-old in the 60s. She did strangle two young boys. Turns out she also had an accomplice, a young girl named Norma Bell, who, despite having the same last name, was no relation.
1: Oh, that's fucking weird. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. and as of 2009, uh, although her actual identity is not known, it is believed that Mary Bell, the 11-year-old strangler, is now a grandmother.
1: Cool. Well... Em uh, and Christine on I'm just going to say it and that's why we drink if you want to cover Mary Bell that sounds like a fun one for you so I'm going to tag you in this episode because <laughs> that's a fun true crime for Christine to cover alright because I want to know more about that I also would like to know more about Mr. Shakespeare honestly. <laughs> Mr. Abraham Shakespeare so there's two new true crimes for you so uh, you're welcome and that's true crimes and a lie I like it
0: Enter theme song here.
1: I like that. <laughs> I dig that. All right.
0: Okay. Um, so uh, let's get on to what we. Yeah. What am I? What am I here.
1: doing today? So I get to um, read today. So I got to play a game and I get to read. Yeah. This is the best.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, as you mentioned in episode 12, I recently put out a call on Facebook for some recommendations on yeah. stories, and uh, today you are going to read a story or possibly two if it goes really fast, by oh. the most recommended author uh, from this request, Hector Hugh Monroe, better known by his pen name Saki. Saki!
1: Yay! I was so excited! Because so, everyone was super excited. Yeah, about this. so
0: let me let me start by sending out a shout out to <clears throat> Rocky Abraham, Penelope Tobar, Naomi Black, Devin Methvin. Elizabeth Burns, Evan Morris, and at least a couple other people who I'm missing, um, all of whom uh, recommended either specifically or generally works by Saki.
1: I'm excited. So I'm
0: super curious about this dude. So, Hector Hugh Monroe, better known by his pen name Saki and also occasionally as H.H. H. Monroe. Wait,
1: is it spelled Saki as in like, I like a Saki bomb? Or? Uh,
0: S-A-K-I. Okay. Saki. I'm going to come to okay. a little bit about his pen name in a bit. Great. Um, he's a British writer Who's uh, And I'm quoting this from Wikipedia Whose witty, mischievous, and sometimes macabre stories Satirize Edwardian society and culture
1: Ooh. Uh,
0: He's often compared to O. Henry and Dorothy Parker <laughs> Awesome He was influenced by Oscar Wilde, Lewis Carroll, and Rudyard Kipling And authors who cite him as an influence Include A.A. A. Milne, Noel Coward, and P.G. Wodehouse
1: Okay. So wow. This, this,
0: guy's, this guy's a heavy hitter. All right. Um, his pen name, Saki, uh, there are two ideas of what it might come from. The more entertaining one is that it might be a reference to the South American Saki monkey which at least two commentators, Tom Sharp and Will Self, have connected to the quote small long-tailed monkey from the western hemisphere that is a central character in the remolding of Groby Lincoln, one of his stories.
1: Okay, I like I like his so I, name being at, named after a monkey. Named
0: after a monkey, I like that. Although more commonly it's assumed that it's a reference to the cupbearer in a book that um, I'm gonna have trouble pronouncing, and I apologize in advance for for butchering this. Uh, Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. Okay. Um, now there are two people who have confirmed this, and the reference is stated as a fact by Emlyn Williams. In an introduction to a Saki anthology, which was published back in 78.
1: All right, cool. So monkey Um, or book reference? Either
0: either a monkey or a character in a book. Great. Um, He was born in British Burma, which was then part of British India, but now is the country of Myanmar. Okay. Um, When he was just two years old, his family went home to visit England. His mother was charged by a cow, and the shock caused her to miscarry. And then she died. Oh, my God. Charged by a cow.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. What?
0: Um, I'm guessing we're going to cover uh, a fair bit about... Uh, we're, we're probably going to yeah. get a chance to cover more about him, so I don't want to go through too many fun facts right here. Okay. But, uh, spoiler for the future, despite being old enough that he did not need to, he chose to enlist in the British Army during World War One.
1: Well, what a badass.
0: So... Yeah. Uh, I think that's all we're going to, that's all I'm going to cover for now. Okay. So, today.
1: I get to read off the Kindle You're today. going
0: to read the story, The Boar Pig.
1: The Boar Pig! Oh, I just went and remembered his mom died by being charged by a cow. <laughs> <laughs> this is a boar pig, so it's different, but. Yeah.
0: All right, we ready to start the fire?
1: Let's do it. Start that
0: fire. Ah, it's it's so warm. I can't wait to turn on the air conditioning. Mmm,
1: coffee. The Boar Pig by Saki. There is a way onto the lawn, said Mrs. Philidor Stosen to her daughter, through a small grass paddock and then through a walled fruit garden full of gooseberry bushes. <laughs> I went all over the place last year when the family were away, there is a door that opens from the fruit garden into a shrubbery, and once we emerge from there, we can mingle with the guests as if we had come in by the ordinary way.
0: This is such a British
1: beginning. I know. It's like and we're gonna bat, sneak in through the gooseberry a bushes. A gooseberry bushes. <laughs> oh, we are in England, so should yeah. I should I throw on an accent? All right. Do it. Let's I'm do guessing. What got. I'm guessing these two are um, not high high. Or they weren't invited to the party. They weren't
0: invited to the party. So
1: maybe they're, like, a little lesser class?
0: I I, I will trust you to All make right. that decision you're reading.
1: All right. It's a much safer than going in by the front entrance and running the risk of coming bang up against the hostess, who would be so awkward when she doesn't happen to have invited us. <laughs> <laughs> This is the way to crash a party in England. You go in through the gooseberry bushes because you don't want to make it awkward when the hostess and you bang up against each other.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't awkwardly bang the hostess if you haven't been invited. (laughs)
1: Especially if you haven't, yeah, especially if you haven't been invited. Consent is important, but you can still sneak into a party. Isn't it a lot of trouble to take forgetting admittance to a garden party? to a garden party yes but to the garden party of the season certainly not (laughs) everyone of any consequence in the country with the exception of ourselves has been asked to meet the princess and it would be far more troublesome to invent explanations as to why we weren't there than to get in by a roundabout way (laughs) (laughs) i love this already I stopped Mrs. Coovering in the road yesterday and talked very pointedly about the princess. If she didn't choose to take the hint and send me an invitation, it's not my fault, is it? Here we are. We just cut across the grass and then through the little gate into the garden. (laughs) So she's like, she ran into her at the grocery store and she's like, uh oh, the princess is coming, eh? Yeah. And like she's like, mm-hmm. I'm hint, just headed hint, over. Nudge, <laughs> nudge,
0: how about an invite? No, fine. I'm gonna plan the most lo-fi heist you have <laughs> ever. I'm gonna assemble a team of eleven.
1: I'm so excited. This is going
0: to be uh, we'll call it Saki's Eleven. Saki's Eleven, except there's two the of
1: them. It's it's Sock- Mrs. Stosson and her daughter. Well Saki's two.
0: Saki's deuce. They need to. They need to find an acrobat who can squeeze into tight little spaces, and an old man who can pretend to fall down and be sick, and
1: and Brad Pitt.
0: And Brad Pitt. (laughs) If they had Brad Pitt, they'd get invited to the party. I
1: mean, let's be real. (laughs) Brad Pitt and George Clooney, like they're going to the party. All right, Mrs. Stosson uh, and her daughter suitably arrayed for the country garden party function with an infusion of almanac de Gotha. What? <laughs> oh, man, I want to know what that is.
0: Almanac de Gotha?
1: Almanac de Gotha. Is that like the almanac of gardens or
0: something? <laughs> The Almanac de Gotha, although I'm guessing it's actually pronounced Gotha because Go-ta. it's a, a German term.
1: Oh, Fucking German. <laughs> I can't a, get away from it.
0: Is a directory of Europe's royalty and high nobility.
1: Oh, my God. So it's like the Zagat's Guide for. It's Zagat's
0: Guide to British rich people. <laughs>
1: it's Zagat's Guide to who to know and who to <laughs> suck up to in England. Love it. All right. All right, love it. The Almanac de Gota <laughs> sailed through the narrow grass paddock and the ensuing gooseberry garden with the air of a state barges making an unofficial progress along a rural trout stream. <laughs> there was a certain amount of furtive haste mingled with the stateliness of their advance, as though hostile searchlights might be turned on them at any moment. And as a matter of fact, they were not unobserved. <laughs>
0: Uh-uh. Not spotted.
1: Matilda Coovering, with an alert eye of thirteen years old and the added advantage of an exalted position in the branches of the meddler tree, had enjoyed a good view of the Stawson flanking movement and had <laughs> foreseen exactly where it would break down in execution. <laughs> yes, this thirteen-year-old girl's up there, like. I see you're what going, you're doing.
0: I see you and I already see how you're going to fuck up.
1: You're going to get screwed up. <laughs> and, okay, so, this is the 13-year-old girl. They'll find the door locked, and they'll jolly well have to go back the way they came, she remarked to herself. <laughs> Serves them right for not coming in the proper entrance. What a pity Tarquin Suberus isn't loose in the paddock. I'm guessing that's the dog. Uh, Tarquin Suberus isn't loose in the paddock?
0: Tarquin? T-A-R-Q-U-I-N? It's, it, I mean,
1: it's a name. Like, it sounds like a freaking Hogwarts-like teacher. <laughs> Tarquin Superus. Suberus Superus. Superus. Superbus. No, Superbus. Super, <laughs> sup, 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 yes. Tarquin Superbus.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that that's the name of the boar pig.
1: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> After all, as everyone else is enjoying themselves, I don't see why Tarquin shouldn't have an afternoon out. <laughs> all right, let's find out. Oh my God, this is like that—the that, boar pig in uh, uh, Berlin that was, like, the naked man was chasing. <laughs> yes,
0: Lucius Tarquinius Superbus. Is the legendary seventh and final king of Rome, reigning from 535 BC until the popular uprising in 509 BC that led to the establishment of the Roman Republic.
1: So either they've got this man locked up in their basement or they've named their pet. For the last
0: 2,500 years. Or
1: they've named their pet after They've named their
0: pet after the king of Rome (laughs) that led to the fall of the kingdom of Rome.
1: Okay, that is some deep cut right there. I love it.
0: Commonly known as Tarquin the Proud.
1: Tarquin the Proud. I don't see why Tarquin shouldn't have an afternoon out. <laughs> Matilda was of an age when thought is action. She slid down from the branches of the medlar tree, and when she clambered back again Tarquin, the huge white Yorkshire boar pig there it is, had exchanged the narrow limits of his sty for the wider range of the grass paddock. The discomforted Stawson expedition, returning in res- ooh, recriminatory. It's 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 on the break of the page.
0: Yeah, annoying. returning in recriminatory.
1: Recriminatory. I was right. Look at that. Look at that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Are you looking it up? Sure. I'm assuming like their, their crime Involving
0: or... or of the nature of mutual accusations or counter accusations. So basically they're coming back, blaming each other.
1: So they're talking and they're like, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. Yeah, yeah. but
0: it's mother and daughter, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're blaming each other for it not working. It well, not if working. you had only thought of, well, if you haven't only thought of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, mother and daughter. But it isn't
0: my fault. I was given those beans.
1: <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. The Yorkshire White Bear. This comforted Stossen expedition, returning in recriminatory but otherwise orderly retreat from the unyielding obstacle of the locked door, came to a sudden halt at the gate dividing the paddock from the gooseberry garden. "'What a villainous-looking animal!' exclaimed Mrs. Stowson. "'It wasn't there when we came in!' <laughs> "'It's there now, anyhow!' said her daughter. "'What on earth are we to do? I wish we'd never come!' The boar pig had drawn nearer to the gate for a closer inspection of the human intruders, and stood champing his jaws and blinking his small red eyes in a matter that was doubtless intended to be disconcerning and as far as the stosans were concerned thoroughly achieved that result (laughs) shoo hiss hiss shoo cried the ladies in a chorus if they think they're gonna drive them away by reciting lists of the kings of israel and judah they're laying themselves out for disappointed disappointment observed matilda from her seat (laughs) in the medlar tree As she made the observation aloud, Mrs. Stoson became, for the first time, aware of her presence. Oh no, now they know this 13-year-old girl just released a damn (laughs) pink A moment or two earlier, she would have been anything but pleased at the discovery that the garden was not as deserted as it looked, but now she hailed the fact of the child's presence on the scene with absolute relief. Little girl! Can you find someone to drive away, uh, she began, hopefully. Comment? comprepa was the response. Just oh, are you French? French. Are you French? Est-ce vous Francaise? <laughs> de anglais? Well, then why not talk in English? I want to know if... Permettez-moi explodire... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're going to have to read that one. I did pretty good up till then.
0: Uh, permettez-moi expliquer. I'll let me, me
1: explain. explain. Yeah, let me explain. Ooh, look, I'm at that. I, <laughs> you see, I'm rather under a cloud, said Matilda. I'm staying with my aunt, and I was told I must behave particularly well today, as lots of people were coming for a garden party, and I was told to imitate Claude. That's my young cousin who never does anything wrong except by accident and then is always apologetic about it. It seems they thought I ate too much raspberry trifle at lunch and they said Claude never eats too much raspberry trifle. Well, Claude always goes to sleep for half an hour after lunch because he has to and he's told to. And I was waited until he was asleep and I tied his hands and started forcibly feeding with a whole bucket full of raspberry trifle that they were keeping for the garden party (laughs) did she actually do this because that's (laughs) fucked up she tied up her cousin and And then force force fed him him dessert cookies wait what's the oh it's like matilda her name's matilda matilda oh funny because that's like what the uh what uh trunchbull does to the kid with the cake Because the kid, like, in Matilda, the kid eats some cake, and she goes, oh, did you like the cake? And then they, like, make him eat the Uh, whole damn cake cake, in front of the, the like, students. So that's weird. All right, love this, because this is Matilda. All right, love those little, like, connections. Love it. Raw Dahl, did you read this? I bet you did. All right. Lots of it went onto his sailor suit, and some of it went onto the bed, but a good deal went down Claude's throat. (laughs) (laughs) And they can't say again that he has never been known to eat too much raspberry trifle. That is why I am not allowed to go to the garden party. And as an additional punishment, I must speak French all afternoon. (laughs) I hope this is true and she's not just making this up. But if she's making this up, what an imagination.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. I've had to tell you all this in English, as there were words like forcible feeding that I didn't know in French. Well, <laughs> of course, I could have invented them, but if I had said obligatoire, you wouldn't have had the least idea what I was talking about. Mais maintenant, nous parlons français. So, oh, well, now I must speak French.
0: Mais maintenant, nous parlons français. Yeah. Yeah. But now we speak French. But
1: now we speak French. Oh, God. God. I hope this doesn't go on too long. I apologize to all French speakers out there. I hope we have listeners in France just so they can laugh at the stupid American who took two years of French in high school, which was more than 20 years ago. Oh, very, oh, very well. Très bien," said Mrs. Stowson reluctantly. In moments of a flurry, such French as she knew was not under very good control. La, uh, la tu côté de la porta est un cochon, un cochon. Ah, le petit chaman!" exclaimed Matilda with enthusiasm. I'm going to let you read that and see if it's even close
0: to what I, what I said. This la, is what, uh, l'autre côté de la porte est une cochon. I don't know that word. Uh,
1: oh, something pig. Cochon oh. is pig. I do know that.
0: Ah, there we go. Yes. La, uh, l'autre côté de la porte ah, uh, in front of the door is, is a pig. A pig, ah, uh, the little charmer. Um, mais non, pas de tout petit et pas de tout charmant. Ah, uh, no, it's not little and it's not cute. Un beat un bet feroce, it's, uh, very ferocious. it's it's a ferocious beast. It's a
1: ferocious beast. beast. <laughs> okay, so all right, I I love this. Un beat on on bet, corrected bet. Matilda. <laughs> so, uh, Mrs uh, Mrs Stosson said un beat feroce. On bet. corrected Matilda. A pig is masculine as long as you call it a pig, but if you lose your temper with it and call it a ferocious beast, it becomes one of us at once. <laughs> Got it. Becomes
0: one of us at once. Yeah. becomes feminine. Yeah,
1: becomes, yes. French is a dreadfully unsexing language. <laughs> For goodness sake, let us talk in English then, said Mrs. Stowson. Is there any way out of this garden except through the paddock where the pig is? I always go over the wall by way of the plum tree," said Matilda. "Dressed as we are, we could hardly do that," said Mrs. Stowson. "It was difficult to imagine her doing it in any costume." <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, try that again. Side
0: side note: A Yorkshire pig boar, boar pig uh-huh. can be up to eight feet long and <gasps> weigh as much as a thousand pounds.
1: Holy crap! All right!
0: So this is the pig that freaked them out. All
1: right. So, uh, uh, for goodness sake, uh, nope, nope. I will. I always go over the wall by the plum tree, said Miss Hilda. Dressed as we are, we could hardly do that, said Mrs. Stowson. It was difficult to imagine doing it in any costume. Do you think we could go, uh, uh, you could go and get someone who could drive the pig away, said Miss Stowson. So it's the daughter. I promised my aunt I would stay here till five o'clock, and it's not four yet. I am sure, under the circumstance, your aunt would permit. My conscience would not permit, said Matilda with cold dignity. <laughs> we can't stay here till five o'clock, exclaimed Mrs. Stoson with growing exasperation. But shall I recite to you to make the time pass quicker? said <coughs> Matilda. <up. laughs>
0: "'Oh, don't worry, I'll tell you a story,'
1: (laughs) said Matilda obligingly. "'Belinda, the little breadwinner, is considered my best piece, "'or or perhaps it ought to be something in French. "'Henry Quatre's address to his soldiers is the only thing I really know in that language. "'If you will go on and fetch someone to drive that animal away, "'I will give you something to buy yourself a nice present,' said Mrs (laughs) Stowson. Matilda came several inches lower down the medlar tree. That is the most practical suggestion you have made yet for getting out of the garden, she remarked cheerfully. Claude and I are collecting money for the Children's Fresh Air Fund, (laughs) and we are seeing which of us can collect the biggest sum— Oh, I shall be very glad to contribute half a crown. Very glad indeed, said Mrs. Stoson, digging that coin out of the depths of a receptacle, which formed a detached outward of her toilet. What? (laughs) It says toilet. Uh, Digging that coin out of the depths of a receptacle, which formed a detached outwork of her toilet.
0: <laughs> Is uh,
1: she carrying a bucket around the I she would imagine it?
0: it's it's uh, her toilette.
1: Toilette.
0: So her. her um, like little purse. Her stuff that goes with her to.
1: To make. To makeup, powder her up, face. To powder her face. Her toilette. Her toilette. Yes, that's right. We're in a <clears throat> fancy country. <laughs> toilette. Claude is a long way ahead of me at present, continued Matilda, taking no notice of the suggested offer. You see, he's only 11 and has golden hair and those enormous advantages when you're collecting. (laughs) Only (laughs) if you're cute and blonde. (laughs) uh, Only the other day, a Russian lady gave him 10 shillings. Russians understand the art of giving far better than we do. (laughs) I expect Claude will net quite 25 shillings this afternoon he'll have the field to himself and he'll be able to do the pale fragile not long for this world business to perfection after his raspberry trifle experience yes he'll be quite two pounds ahead of me by now <laughs> with much probing and plucking and many regretful murmurs the beleaguered ladies managed to produce seven and six pence between them I'm afraid this is all we've got, said Mrs. Stowson. <laughs> Matilda showed no sign of coming down either to the earth or to that figure. I could not do violence of my conscience for anything less than ten shillings, she announced stiffly. Mother and daughter muttered certain remarks under their breath, in which the word beast was prominent and probably had no reference to Tarquin. <laughs> so they're calling this little girl a little beast.
0: I want this little girl... To grow up to be best friends with the little boy from the Ransom of Red Chief.
1: Uh, oh, <laughs> th- yeah! I hope they get married. <laughs> this little British girl and this little boy the in little the wild west boy from
0: from Alabama, yes. wherever they were.
1: Yes, I love it. Um, beast, 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 and then something about beast. La 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 la. There we go. "'I find I have got another half-crown.' "'I found I haven't got another half-crown,' says Mrs. Stowson in a shaking voice. "'Here you are. Now please fetch someone quickly!' Matilda slipped down from the tree, took possession of the donation, and proceeded to pick up a half of overripe medlars from the grass at her feet. Then she climbed over the gate and addressed herself affectionately to the boar-pig, Come, Tarquin, dear old boy. You know you can't resist meddlers when they're rotten and squashy. (laughs) Tarquin couldn't. By dint of throwing the fruit in front of him at judicious intervals, Matilda decoyed him back from his sty, while the delivered captives hurriedly crossed the paddock. Well, I never, the little minx, exclaimed Mrs. Stowson," when she was safely on the high road. The animal wasn't savage at all, and as for the ten shillings, I don't believe the fresh air fund will see a penny of it. <laughs> there she was, unwarrantably harsh in her judgment. If you examine the books of the funds, you will find the acknowledgement. Collected by Miss Matilda Coolring, two shillings six two s six D. That's the end of the story. <laughs>
0: That's redonkulous. So, so she handed over like two and sixpence of the, of the, of ten, the almost ten yeah. that she was given. She's
1: like, Yeah, I'll give a little bit, and then I'm gonna go get something for myself. Like some more trifle to force feed my poor cousin.
0: <laughs> Would you like to read another one? We're only 45 minutes in. Yeah. yeah. All right.
1: That was fun. I like Saki. This is hilarious. It's It's like Oscar Wilde meets uh, O. Henry. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, the story by Saki that was first recommended on the page was actually one called The Open Window. Oh, yes. So, yep. you can go ahead and read that one next.
1: Yes. The Open Window by Saki. Double header, y'all. This <laughs> is fun. The Open Window by Saki. My aunt will be down presently, Mr. Nuttall, said a very self-possessed lady of 15. I love all these teenagers. (laughs) All right, I'm starting over. (laughs) My aunt will be down presently, Mr. Nuttall, said a very self-possessed lady of 15. In the meantime, you must try and put up with me. (laughs) Frampton Nuttall endeavored to say the correct something, which should duly flatter the niece of the moment without unduly disgusting counting the ant that was to come. Privately, he doubted more than ever whether these formal visits on a succession of total strangers would do much towards helping the nerve cure which he was supposed to be undergoing. What? (laughs) That was all one sentence.
0: Do you want to try it again?
1: Frampton Nuttall endeavoured to say the correct something which should duly flatter the niece of the moment without unduly discounting the aunt that was to come. Privately, he doubted more than ever whether these formal visits on a succession of total strangers would do much towards helping the nerve cure which he was supposed to be undergoing. So he is he he's doing these he's, visits, but he's supposed to be like calming himself. Yeah, he's got
0: anxiety, and he's not sure that visiting a bunch of strangers is going to help his anxiety, yes, which I understand. Yes, stick me in a room with a bunch of strangers, and I am going to vibrate <laughs> through the damn wall. <laughs>
1: "'I know how it will be,' his sister had said when he was preparing to migrate to this rural retreat. "'You will bury yourself down there and not speak to a living soul, "'and your nerves will be worse than ever from moping.'" (laughs) I shall just give you the letters of introduction to all the people I know there. Some of them, as far as I can remember, were quite nice. So he's basically like going on a retreat to try and calm his nerves, but he has to deal with a bunch of strangers to go on a retreat. It's like going to an Airbnb when you have to like
0: when you have to hang, hang out with, with the, the host who, a
1: little bit and you're yeah. like, "No, I came here to get away yeah. and I don't want to talk
0: to you." It's not a jam.
1: Anyway, Frampton wondered whether Mrs. Sappleton, the lady to whom he was presenting one of the letters of introduction, came into the nice division. (laughs) So was she a good one or was she a bad one? Are
0: you a good bitch or a bad bitch? A bad
1: bitch. bitch. (laughs) I'm a bad bitch. We all know that. Do you know many people round here, asked the niece, when she judged that he had had sufficient silent communion. Hardly a soul, said Frampton, "'My sister was staying here at the rectory, you know, some four years ago, "'and she gave me letters of introduction to some of the people here.' "'He made the last statement in a tone of distant regret. (laughs) "'Then you know practically nothing about my aunt,' pursued the self-possessed young lady. "'Only her name and address,' admitted the caller. "'He was wondering whether Mrs. Sapleton was in the married or widowed state.' An undefinable something about the room seemed to suggest masculine habitation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a great tragedy happened about three years ago, said the child. That would be since your sister's time. Her tragedy, said Frampton. Somehow in this restful country spot tragedies seem out of place. You may wonder why we "'Keep that window wide open on a October afternoon,' said the niece, "'indicating a large French window that opened onto a lawn. "'It is quite warm for the time of year,' said Frampton, "'but has that window got anything to do with the tragedy?' "'Out through that window, three years ago today, "'her husband and her two young brothers went off for their day's shooting. "'They never came back.' In crossing the moor to the favorite snipe shooting ground, they were all three engulfed in a treacherous piece of bog. It had been that dreadful wet summer, you know, and the places were safe in their years, gave way suddenly without warning. Their bodies were never recovered. There was this dread, that was the dreadful part of it. Here the child's voice lost in self-possessed note became falteringly human. Poor aunt always thinks that they will come back someday. They and the little brown spaniel they lost with them and walk into that window just as they used to. That's why the window is kept open every evening till it is quite dusk. Poor dear aunt. It's like Peter Pan. I know. <laughs> Except they've died.
0: Like the, Or like, like the, the, the end of Hook. Yeah. What have I told you about this window? No.
1: You must oh, always leave it open. It open. <laughs> Let's hope that's what happens here. Poor dear aunt. She often told me how they went out Her husband with his white waterproof coat over his arm and Ronnie, her youngest brother, singing, Bertie, why do you bound? As he always did to tease her because he said it got on her nerves. Do you know something on still quiet evenings like this? I almost get a creepy feeling that they will walk in through that window. She broke off with a little shudder. It was a relief from Frampton when the aunt burst, bustled into the room with a whirl of apologies for being late in making her appearance. I hope Vera has been amusing you, she said. Uh, she has been very interesting, said Frampton. <laughs> I hope you don't mind the open window, said Mrs. Sappleton briskly. My husband and brothers will be home directly from shooting, and they always come in this way. They've been out for a snipe in the marshes today, and, and they will make a fine mess over the poor carpets. So like you men folk, isn't it? She rattled on cheerfully about the shooting and the scarcity of birds and the prospects for the duck in the winter. To Frapton it was all... Purely horrible. He made a desperate but only partially successful effort to turn the talk onto a less ghastly topic. He was conscious that his hostess was giving him only a fragment of her attention, and her eyes were constantly straying past him to the open window and the lawn beyond. The lawn beyond. That's fun in British. Lawn beyond. Lawn beyond. It was certainly an unfortunate coincidence that he should have paid his visit on this tragic anniversary. The doctors agree in ordering me a complete rest and absent... Wait, is this him? Yes. The doctors agree in ordering me complete rest an absence of mental excitement and avoidance of anything in the nature of violent physical exercise, announced Frampton, who labored under the tolerable widespread delusion that total strangers and chance acquaintances were hungry for the least detail of one's ailments and infirmities, (laughs) their cause and cure. ''On the matter of diet, they are not on so much agreement,'' he continued. ''No,'' said Mrs. Sampleton in a voice that only replaced a yawn at the last moment. (laughs) ''No!'' (laughs) When she suddenly brightened into alert attention, but not to what Frampton was saying. ''Here they are at last,'' she cried, ''just in time for tea. ''And don't they look as if they were muddied up to the eyes?'' Frampton shivered slightly and turned towards the niece with a look intended to convey sympathetic comprehension. The child was staring out through the open window with dazed horror in her eyes. In a chill shock of nameless fear, Frampton swung round in his seat and looked in the same direction. In the deepening twilight... Three figures were walking across the lawn towards the window. They all carried their guns under their arms, and one of them was additionally burdened with a white coat hung over his shoulders. A tired brown spaniel kept close at the heels. Noiselessly, they neared the house, and then a hoarse young voice chanted out in the dusk, I say, Bertie, why do you bound? <laughs> Frampton grabbed wildly at a stick and hat. The hall door, the gravel drive, and the front gate were dimly noted stages in a headlong retreat. (laughs) A cyclist coming along the road had to run into a hedge to avoid an inclement collision. Here we are, my dear, said the bearer of the white Macintosh coming through the window, fairly muddied, but most of it's dry. Who was that who bolted out as we came up? A most extraordinary man, a Mr. Nuttall, said Mrs. Sappleton, could only talk about his illness and dashed off without a word of a goodbye or apology when you arrived. One would think he had seen a ghost.
0: Oh, God, the little girl made the whole thing up just to fuck with him.
1: (laughs) I expect it was the Spaniel, said the niece calmly. He told me he had a horror of dogs. (laughs) He was once hunted into a cemetery somewhere on the banks of the Ganges by a pack of pariah dogs and had to spend the night in a newly dug grave with the creatures snarling and grinning and foaming just above him, enough to make anyone their nerve. Romance at short notice was her specialty that's the end. I love these fucking teenagers that are just making shit up and like messing with these like stupid British people.
0: (laughs) So I guess uh, Saki's favorite what would we call them Device? Anti, anti-heroes?
1: Anti-hero or device? He
0: is a teenage girl who just Who can manipulate
1: the, the shit out of the other people because they're all trying to keep up appearances and or are very, oh, very, very uh, gullible. <laughs> oh, that's
0: fantastic. That is fantastic.
1: I, that. I, I know I got to it too, like right before the ending. I'm like, she made all this shit up <laughs> on this poor guy who's having like a nervous breakdown already. <laughs> I see him that guy is either played by Wally Sean or there's oh there's somebody else I could see and it was like he's in a bunch of movies but he's like a B-list actor and he's in like everything but like I can't think of his name like he always kind of plays like that guy but Wally Sean would be great in it too
0: Wally Sean um, could uh, could be um, name's gone Woody Allen
1: Okay. Woody Allen if he wasn't a, like, you know, questionable human being. No,
0: I'm just saying in terms of the character. <laughs> the character.
1: Well, that, and that's I'm trying to, like, why can't I I, I don't know. I'm gonna um, on the website I'm gonna put up this guy's name because he's in, like, a couple movies that I'm like envisioning this character but I can't think of him right now and I can't even think of the movies because I'm so amused by these stories. <laughs> I I love it. That was Saki for the win, man. Those are delightful.
0: (laughs) And they're short
1: and delightful. I feel like I read this at some point in my life.
0: What? The Open Window? Yeah. Really? Like,
1: or maybe it's just like that timeless classic of like a kid fucking, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm having like a childhood flashback to like something of this, of this story, but... But not I really. Well, I think it's just they've made movies like with similar plots and stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, so um, once again, a big thank you to Rocky Abraham, Penelope Tobar, uh, who claims to be Saki's number one fan.
1: Hey, um, I, I, I might be competing now.
0: Someone someone has to be. Uh, Devin Methvin, Elizabeth Burns, uh, Evan Morris, uh, and Naomi Black. yes. Thank you, thank you to all of you who recommended Saki, because um, that was great fun.
1: Because we're uh, in love, I'm in love with these. Thank cause...
0: you thank you to the other folks who have made recommendations, we're gonna get to them, it just, you know, takes some time to find the right story. Um,
1: keep sending them though, we keep, love this. If you have
0: story recommendations, you can send them to us, track us down on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, or our website, campfireclassicspodcast.com. Become a patron! Uh, become a patron. If you become a patron, your requests uh, are more likely to go to the front of the line. That's true. And. Just saying the more, the more money you give us, the more we listen to your input. I'm going to
1: drop this right now. If you become a patron, if you become a, one of the first 20 patrons, we're going to add this. Not only will you be a founding member, but we just got Campfire Classics stickers made. So not only will you get a 50-50 sticker, you will get a Campfire Classic sticker at any level. At any level, you will get a Campfire Classic sticker. Done. 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 I made it. I made the announcement. All right. Cool. So come love us. We we love some merch. Yeah. For the first 20 patrons. So get in there. Get in there. You can do it for as little as two bucks. It's like less than a Starbucks Frappuccino. It's less than a pumpkin spice latte.
0: Tis the season. Welcome to pumpkin spice season.
1: As people call it, the PSL.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, a pumpkin spice latte fan cast. (laughs) For next week's episode, please send us your thoughts, questions, and concerns about the pumpkin spice latte. The PSL. We will address whatever those concerns may be.
1: We are going to do something special for the month of October, I think, since we're doing... Since a lot of what we read are, like, ghost stories and whatnot. So be stay tuned for that, and that goes with Pumpkin Spice.
0: And if you have specifically ghost stories yeah. that you think would be good for the Halloween season, please yeah. send them our way. Although, do remember when sending us stories that we are looking specifically for things in the public domain because... As amazing as our patrons are, they are not donating enough money for it to be worth it for us to get sued.
1: Yeah, we no nobody needs to get sued. No, this is all for fun. We don't need to get sued. Thanks.
0: <laughs> I think that's it. All right, this has been a fun one. That was um, great.
1: We played. You. We played two 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 crimes.
0: True crimes and a lie. True
1: crimes and a lie.
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us on True Crimes and a Lie. The podcast game show within Within. the podcast campfire classics (laughs) hope you enjoyed that one too um uh, i think that's it we're we're good
1: yeah all right send in love and everyone stay safe and healthy and remember to vote we'll see you soon bye oh uh
0: this has been campfire classics (laughs) where we forget to put our own tagline at the end of the podcast sometimes it (laughs)
1: happens because we're just excited